Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Babesia found under the microbiology section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 68-year-old man presents to the physician with complaints of fever, malaise, and chills for the past few weeks. He says that he and his wife recently visited New Hampshire for a summer family reunion, where they hiked in the White Mountains. His temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit, or 38.9 degrees Celsius. Physical exam is notable for a palpable spleen. Laboratory studies are significant for a hematocrit of 30%, decreased serum haptoglobin levels, and an elevated reticulocyte count. A peripheral blood smear is obtained and confirms the diagnosis. Let's continue with an introduction to Babesia. In terms of the epidemiology, this is mostly seen in the northeastern United States, which is the same geography as Lyme disease. Risk factors include outdoor activities that increase exposure to ticks. In terms of the transmission, remember that the Ixodes tick is the vector for the parasite. This is the same vector as Borrelia burgdorferi, which causes Lyme disease, so co-infection may commonly occur. Also remember that the white-footed mouse is a reservoir. Conditions that are associated include hemolytic anemia. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms may include fever, which may be sustained or intermittent, chills, malaise, fatigue, arthralgias, nausea and vomiting, and dark urine. On exam, there are typically few, if any, physical findings. In a minority of patients, one may note jaundice, splenomegaly, hepatomegaly, petechiae, and ecchymosis. In terms of further studies, labs to obtain should include a complete blood count with differential. This may demonstrate mild to severe hemolytic anemia, lymphopenia, and thrombocytopenia. There may be decreased serum haptoglobin levels and an elevated reticulocyte count. On histology, a peripheral blood smear should be stained with Giemza or right stain. This may demonstrate intraerythrocytic ring forms with the central pallor and mirazoites which are arranged in a tetrad configuration resembling a Maltese cross. This is pathognomonic of babesiosis. And when making the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical presentation and peripheral blood smear findings. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about malaria, with distinguishing factors being that there will be visualization of plasmodium on peripheral blood smear. Also think about Lyme disease, with distinguishing factors being that this will demonstrate erythema migrans or bullseye rash. And finally, think about ehrlichiosis, with distinguishing factors being that this is mostly found in the southeastern and mid-Atlantic United States. With regards to treatment, medical options include intravenous etovaquone and azithromycin, or intravenous clindamycin and oral quinine. And lastly, complications related to Babesia include severe hemolytic anemia, thrombocytopenia, disseminated intravascular coagulation, and death. Remember that babesiosis can be severe or life-threatening, particularly in the following groups, in asplenic patients, in immunocompromised patients, and in the elderly. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Babesia, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A five-year-old female presents to the pediatrician with fever, chills, 
headache, and diffuse myalgias. Her parents explained that they returned from Nantucket two weeks ago and spent a large amount of time outdoors. The pediatrician sends off a blood sample to be tested for possible tick-borne diseases and requests a JAMSA-stained thin blood smear, which demonstrates Maltese crosses inside of the red blood cells. The pediatrician gives the child some antibiotics. One week later, the child develops a fever, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. Which of the following was most likely prescribed? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Doxycycline Choice 2. Metronidazole Choice 3. Amoxicillin Choice 4. Clindamycin Or Choice 5. Cefixmine The best answer to this question is Choice 4. Clindamycin The child in this clinical vignette was treated with clindamycin for babesiosis. A side effect of clindamycin is pseudomembranous colitis caused by an overgrowth of Clostridium difficile, resulting from the elimination of the normal intestinal flora by the clindamycin. Babesia microti is a protozoan parasite commonly found in the northeastern United States with a similar geography as Borrelia burgdorferi. Both are transmitted via the bite of an ixodes tick and typically co-infect the human host. Infection with Babesia microti results in babesiosis, a mild malaria-like illness that causes fever and hemolytic anemia. Babesia microti invades red blood cells, and when visualized on a blood smear, the characteristic Maltese crosses can be seen as the merozoids adhere in the shape of a cross. Treatment consists either of administration of quinine and clindamycin, of which pseudomembranous colitis can occur, or atovaquone and azithromycin. Let's also discuss why the other options are incorrect. Choice 1. A side effect of doxycycline is photosensitivity, which can result in an erythematous rash when the patient is exposed to sunlight. Choice 2. Side effects of metronidazole are disulfiram-like reaction when drinking alcohol and a metallic taste. Choices 3 and 5. A side effect of amoxicillin and cefixime is pseudomembranous colitis, but they are not used to treat babesiosis. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 68-year-old asplenic male from Long Island presents with fever and shaking chills for the past two weeks. He attributes his symptoms to a tick bite that he incurred a day or two prior to the onset of symptoms. A blood test reveals normocytic normochromic anemia with an increase in total bilirubin. A GAMSA-stained thin blood smear was performed, which demonstrates Maltese crosses inside of red blood cells. Which of the following is the most likely cause of his symptoms and lab results? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Borrelia burgdorferi Choice 2. Ehrlichiosis Choice 3. Francisella tularensis Choice 4. Rickettsia rickettsi Or Choice 5. Babesia microti The best answer to this question is Choice 5. Babesia microti. The male in this clinical vignette is presenting with an infection caused by Babesia microti, most likely transmitted by the tick bite. A defining feature of Babesia microti is the Maltese crosses seen on Giemza-stained thin blood smear. Babesia microti is a blood-borne protozoan parasite that is transmitted via Ixodescapularis tick, which is the same carrier for Borrelia burgdorferi that causes Lyme disease. 
these two are often transmitted together. Babesiosis tends to predominantly occur in the northeastern part of the United States. Infection with Babesia microni can be asymptomatic or can produce malaria-like symptoms. Individuals experience chills along with irregular fevers. In more severe cases, individuals may experience hemolytic anemia. Asplenic patients have an increased risk of disease, and their course is more likely to be fatal. Treatment typically consists of atovaquone and azithromycin, or quinine and clindamycin. In most cases, immunocompetent individuals tend to recover spontaneously without treatment. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 through 4. Many of these infections have similar symptoms, such as fever, headache, and myalgia, but some have specific rashes, such as Lyme disease with the bullseye rash, or the rickettsia rickettsii rash that starts at the wrists and ankles and spreads to the trunk, soles, and palms. All of these are spread by a type of tick, but the defining characteristic that indicates the diagnosis of babesiosis is the blood smear showing Maltese crosses within erythrocytes. That's all for this review about Babesia. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.